Running Buds. Welcome to the Running Buds podcast with your host, one of the uh, fastest card-carrying members of the Northwest Ohio Birding Association, Steve McNamee, and <laughs> me, who uh, deserves and has no superlatives. Oh, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't agree with that, Charlie. Oh yeah, I should say my name, Charlie Lambrix. Yeah, you're Charlie Lambrix, and you're coming to us from from France. Are you in France, Charlie? Did you get back from France? Uh, I did a scenic ride on the French countryside yesterday, but uh, believe it or not, I did that from the comfort of my own bedroom. And I really, I am in Salt Lake City, Utah. (laughs) So I can't trust Strava when it says that you're you were in the French countryside. Uh, my wife and I are doing really well, so we got ourselves a Peloton, and, uh, <laughs> and I linked it to my Strava on purpose, and I picked that specific ride for you, Steve, because uh, oh. I know how much you hate seeing um, other exercise without a map uh, on on your Strava feed. So, uh, and you fell right into my snare. You, um, well, now you'll, oh, oh, oh. now you'll notice I did not kudos, but I did comment. And, uh, this is, this is, I, I don't even know if I, I, I have a tendency to repeat myself sometimes on this show, but it's one of my pet peeves is these, these overseas and these, these just, what, I mean, over the top locations of, of these runs, and, and it's people that have left their living room, ride through. Well, London. even Certain though it's not a, uh, even yeah. though it's not a real bike, it's just a stationary bike. Uh, I already feel better than almost everybody else. If you uh, did it, though, at least in a hotel room in Paris, that'd be worth something. And you doing the exercise. It's not the exercise or the the activity I care about. It's it's the it's the lying of, of where you did it. You weren't in the French countryside, Charlie, and none, none, nobody that does these should 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 go along with it. I did it in my yeah. Uh, so Peloton, my most people just do like the the classes that have an instructor just yeah. playing like house music and yelling positive things at you. Uh, yeah. But I I just went for the casual ride, and I looked for the. I think the kids call it bougie, the bougiest uh, location I could. <laughs> and I don't think anything got better than French countryside, which I rode no. through for a half hour. I am overreacting a little bit for effect, but um, yeah, that's. Uh, so you, did you look at a screen then that was the French countryside? Is that how this works? Yeah, it comes with okay. like, it's like a 15 inch screen, maybe bigger. I don't know. It's a pretty big screen and you're not very far away from it. And yeah, it's just these images of uh, grassy pastures and old churches, and uh, yeah, you're. I'm, it's it's. I assume it's legitimate that they have Rude. almost like a Google Rude Plus to you. <laughs> yeah, uh, very few people, very few other cars. Yeah, but oh, uh, that's good. That's good. I did drink red wine the entire ride. Uh, <laughs> Charlie, do you? Uh, you probably don't know what happened six years ago today. No, I don't. Six, no, hold on. Let me think. Let me think. 2014. Uh, I, I, this might start a tangent. I always think, okay, what race did I do that spring or fall? <laughs> That's right. So 2014, I did uh, that fall. I did the um, Chicago Marathon. 
So I would have been preparing for that. I was still living in Northwest Ohio. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'd assume I was rug- running with you regularly at that point. Did we? Did we just meet six years ago? What ha- Or did we become no. Facebook friends? Six years no, ago. Six years ago, um, we we met up just for any old Saturday morning we had been doing for a for a period of time by then. And uh, however, this Saturday morning happened to be uh, a very interesting Saturday morning because, as runners sometimes tend to do, they just get out of bed and go straight to the run and begin running. As other runners do, they check the news. And on this day, the news was in the city of Toledo, the drinking. Oh my goodness! Do you remember this run when there was no drinking water? Yes, yes, (laughs) I do. For those that are not uh, in the Toledo area, uh, this was national news, so you may or may not remember. But basically, uh, Toledo, uh, just all of a sudden, overnight, uh, the water was no longer safe. No warning. Um, you couldn't even shower in it. It was so unsafe. And uh, boiling it just made it more mad. Like they said, <laughs> boiling it will make it even more dangerous. It, it uh, woke up all the microbes. Algae blooms. That was the cause, right? It was the cause. We get our water from Lake Erie. And Lake Erie's, uh, the intake was overtaken by uh, an, a giant algae bloom that year. So, um, but, However... But, as the story goes, though, uh, you showed up oblivious to this this bit of information. So as Correct. we were talking about it, you you were kind of quiet, I remember. I didn't believe you. No, you um, didn't believe. And even as we ran by a drinking fountains that had tarps over them with no explanation, uh, you still were, were a little uh, doubtful that we were not putting you on. Well, it was garbage bags and duct tape, and uh, anyone done ourselves, right? Yes, it was a it was a rush job, and uh, I, you guys were all talking about this. And this group of runners, we have, um, I'd say, none of you were above uh, pulling a good prank on somebody. Would you agree yeah. to that? Yeah, and, and, uh, and you did. You eventually made the comment out of the blue as we were talking about it. Are you guys effing with me? <laughs> it never occurred to us that one of us didn't know this was this was happening and uh, when you said that it was like a missed opportunity that we could have taken this a lot a lot further but uh yeah that was that t- today when i saw that memory on facebook it was, to me it was the six-year anniversary of you asking are you guys up with me and i am cleaning the book for the podcast but uh it was a it was a hearty laugh that i got that that morning yeah, there was there was five or six of us, um, so not so many that uh, you couldn't have conspired one. And, and just the the facts, you know, that you couldn't even shower in it. Boiling would just make it worse. Uh, it didn't it didn't add up to me. I'm a I'm a natural skeptic, I must say. And uh, when I saw the garbage bags over the water fountain. Um, that made me think, wow, they really, they really went all in on this one. We went, yeah, we, uh, we, you, and this is, I mean, that's in Toledo. This is why this, this COVID shutdown is no big deal. Cause we literally went a week, I believe it was, I believe it was a week without, without drinking water for an entire city. 
a major metropolitan city could not we had no drinking water and uh um as i remember also when i did that run uh we were i ran early and came home to go out of town we went up to um northern michigan so as as family and everybody's friends are checking in to make sure we're okay i was just like i don't care if the city burns we're on vacation so yeah, uh, my then fiance, now wife, was staying with me that weekend. And I remember when we got back to the cars, that's when I was like, all right, guys, I got to I gotta call her and tell her not to take a shower. <laughs> but, so uh, we, did, we did the same thing, just the opposite direction. We went down to her family in uh, Columbus uh, to buy some bottled water and shower and... Uh, do all the things you do with water so um. <laughs> and drink on a run but uh yep six years ago that happened so as as luck would have had it i think i brought a gatorade with me that day and and water <laughs> i had from the night before because i remember being like okay so you're telling me because i poured this at like 8 p.m last night this is safe to drink but water from today is bad and you guys are like <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, um, Oh, yeah, that was, such a, that was such a great, um, such a weird story that Toledo was in the news for. And uh, the late mayor, I can't remember, uh, Collins? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You were correct. Yeah. I remember seeing him on national news doing a press conference drinking uh, a glass of tap water, um, <laughs> telling us the water was now safe. My fantasy football uh, team name that year was uh, Toledo Water, and I made a Swamp Thing my like little caricature because uh, that's the scariest thing I could think of for my for my team name to intimidate the uh, the other participants. <laughs> that is really good. And Water is also the new name of the segment used to be known as the Ghetto, and is now just called Water, which is the most. Uh, what is what's the word the most i don't want to use non-offensive but the most uh benign innocuous. it is the innocuous. most innocuous yeah. word anybody could come up with i was not in on that decision making process because yeah what I happened to the lollipops you yeah i fixed right. it Charlie. i made it public it should have worked it worked for some people but it didn't work for others and i think somebody finally just took matters into their own hands that would be my friend roger he decided uh, there were too many wasted efforts as well. People were really trying to go after this segment and to see how well they could do. And then they'd get done and uh, there would be no record of it happening. And wow. I think the frustration set in and uh, a new segment was created. And to ensure that there would be no future meddling from Strava, it's called water. Why? Who, who decided water? That makes no sense. There's, there's no water. <laughs> <laughs> it's no. it's a suburb it's a subdivision suburb yeah. with no creek or yes you answered your own question it makes no sense that's exactly why i think the name water became the <laughs> so it's who did uh, it yeah. though who who chose that name did roger choose that that, name? Would our, that would be our friend roger yes the hell's he thinking <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of segments, uh, Charlie, we're getting into some mailbag issues, and I think there was a there was a question about segments, or there was a lot of talk in the mailbag about segments. Uh, yes, yes, we'll get to that. But but water was stolen. Did we even name the 
the Charlie Lambricks wannabe who who grabbed it. Oh, you can you can name him if you'd like. Sure. They say uh, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And uh, this one we kept so close that he was actually a guest on this very show. Mm-hmm. And uh, Clay, who um, Clay Rice, who's known for not only spitting a loogie on me during a race, um, uh, defying the law left and right with uh, transgressions um, that I won't even repeat. Uh, he then <laughs> stooped to a new level of low and stole my segment. Mm, yes, he did. Well, he took water. The ghetto will always be mine. That is true. And uh, to some three lollipops. But uh, Clay is the nicest guy. That is impish. He is. Uh, he's, he's clearly a tortured soul. Um and uh, he puts on a happy face, but there's a very insidious. Uh, <laughs> mm. But he is the new king. He grabbed by 21 seconds, too. It, this thing is um, either just over or just under a mile. So 21 seconds is a, is a lot. Um, well, c- congratulations, Clay. I hope you're happy with yourself. But yeah, yes. give him credit real quick. There's a large group of people around here that are in just really tip-top shape going after these segments like gangbusters and uh, with no racing going on. And I am not in on this, uh, this type of fitness and motivation. So I really hats off to all of these guys that are doing this. But there's, there's a segment war going on, and it's, uh, it's fun to watch. I wish I was part of it. But the, the the fact that these guys can motivate themselves to go after segments is is, is kind of inspiring. I like I said, I wish I we could be in on it. Um, but uh, motivation can be found in the in the strangest of places during the strangest of times. Well, there's so many segments out there, and anybody can can find them. And there's some that are less popular or, or harder to get to. So uh, I'm sure you have a couple crowns in your closet, do you not, Steve? Oh, I do. They're uh, they're far afield, Charlie. I have one up in uh, in Michigan at a park at a dog at a dog walking park, and uh, uh, that one's kind of vulnerable. I'm surprised nobody's gotten it. And then I have one that I created, and I think it just disappeared from Strava because it was such a odd segment. And I thought it would be a heavily used road along Lake Erie, but uh, alas, uh, it it didn't get enough traffic, so it's disappeared from the um, from the Strava segment search. But hmm. but uh, at this point in my life, I'm happy being in the top ten of a of a segment. But uh, but there's a new type of crown too, Charlie. Do you want to want to talk about that? Yeah, we got we got some good Strava yeah, Strava yeah, talk like here. There, we're almost to becoming the Strava show, aren't we? Uh, I don't want to call us that. I think we got I a good know, name and running. No, no, running no. Buds. Go ahead and anymore, but. Yeah, so there's a new participation award that Strava's handing out to make uh, people feel good about themselves. You're so you're so condescending. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only condescending because I don't have one. That's why I'm... I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess you're not wrong. It is literally uh, a participation award, uh, but it's the most participation award called the the local legends. The local and... legend. Is this the biggest overstatement? All it means is that you uh, you're in a rut. 
running the same route way too much. And uh, they, they decided to spin it into uh, a local, a legend. <laughs> it has nothing to do with how fast you run it. It's just frequency. And they take a night, whoever has run a specific segment the most over a 90-day window uh, gets this award. Uh, but the interesting thing about this, uh, Steve, is that I am a non-paying Strava member. I do not, I do not pay for the the service. Excuse me, sorry, I did not pay for the service, and um, I get emails. I got an email that I lost a local <laughs> legend segment, but I can't see any that I have or. <laughs> what I'm competing for. Uh, so what is the visibility like on your end as a, uh, as one of these suckers that actually pays for this service? Well, I'm now, before we go there, I, I am, I'm using the, uh, the, the free uh, preview before I decide whether or not I want to give them my money. Um, I, from what I can tell, it lets you know wh- where you stand on a lot of these and it kind of encourages you to, it, it, it says you've run this the most and then you can, you need this many more to, to take the segment, the, the local mm. legend segment that is. Um, but I, it doesn't have the traditional list, like the, the segment, uh, you know, the crowns, you can't see like top 10 that I know of. I, I guess I, I haven't gotten too deep into it, but um, to me, it's, it, that's, that's the extent to which you can participate is it lets you know where you stand compared to the leader, but that's about it. So like, um, I could be dead wrong, by the way. So I'm uh, as self-assured as I sound. I, I really have very little clue because, um, but that's as far as I've gotten into it, Charlie. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but uh, the visibility on a desktop Strava, the desktop website versus just through the app on your phone is totally yeah. different. That is you true. Can see. That is a great point. And uh, have you looked at it on... Um, on a desktop yet? No, on the web. Okay. No. Yeah, I'd be interested to see that because I can't see all of my um, my many many crowns no. um, that yeah. I have uh, on the app. But when I go on the website, you know, on a desktop or something, or uh, I could see that. So um, I'm wondering if what kind of visibility you have there because even on the on the website, you know, on my computer, I can't, I can't see anything with local legends, but I'm getting these emails from Strava, all of these ones that I could get. And I got an email. Uh, it doesn't say, uh Oh, it gives me something else. <laughs> see if I can find it. So you, you got an email that just bad news. You, you, you never really got an email yeah. that gave you the good news, which was exactly. similar to the news. No idea. He was still alive. Which I think I, I texted you. I think he, I thought he passed away in the nineties, but um, same type of thing. Yeah, I can't find it, but it, it's not, uh Oh, cause I thought they changed that. I thought somebody grabbed my segment and that they changed the email, but it's something else they say. I can't find it, but yeah, you get an email. I'm, so I only get the bad news. So, which I think is really smart of Strava for a couple of reasons on this local legends uh, because now speed no longer matters, but it gives people a goal just to be more consistent and get out running and literally anybody, you could be a walker and get these local legends things. Uh, so I think that 
is going to make Strava more intriguing to more people. And I think it's also very smart of them to be adding functionality that non-paying users don't have rather than stripping things away. Because when you strip things away, people are going to rebel and just find a different outlet for this, this service that Strava provides, be it Garmin Connect or Map My Run or something else. But by keeping everything intact, but then adding functionality that I can only get if I start to pay, I think is a, is a smart way to go about things. So yeah, they've got me intrigued. They've got me wondering if I should, uh, if I should start paying so I can get my participation trophies. <laughs> I was just thinking, I, I honestly could not care less what I run the most. So. <laughs> but you're right. I agree. It's a fun thing and it is not based on speed. So that, that is a definite plus because segments do tend to favor those that are going very quickly. So they do need a way to bring others into the fold. But I still think... It, it, it rewards people just for being a, in a rut and running the same routes over and over again. Which bores Why do you say that in a rut? I just, yeah, you know how it is. I mean, you've run, if you run the same path every day, you're going to get that award. But I don't know. I mean, personally, I, I like running different routes, you know, and, and seeing different things, different parks. And, and uh, I don't know. It, to me, it's just not important enough to, to go after anything called a local legend which rewards you for doing the same thing over and over again. But no, I mean, not, and that's not to take anything away from somebody who does, but it's just a matter of habit. Okay. Here's the email. There it goes. Exclamation point. There it goes. I'm not going to give this person the satisfaction of saying their name, but (laughs) X person nabbed your local title. No, I don't know. him. Oh, uh oh, and then you open the email and it says, "Uh oh, you're not the local legend anymore." I didn't even know I had it. Yeah. <laughs> so your your point is perfectly right. You know, like um, they've given me none of the positives, only the bad news. <laughs> and you know, it still feels like I lost something, even though I didn't have it to begin with. Yeah, that is true. And I think, I think even like, like I'm like, I mean, okay. Like I said, I couldn't care less. I think if I got an email telling me that I lost it when I had it, maybe I would care a little bit more. So maybe, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll reply. Hey, F you. (laughs) (laughs) It's bad enough. I'm losing crowns. Now you're going to, and it looks like they have little, like a laurel wreath. Is yeah, the, little... the laurel wreath. And you know what? I mean, we think of somebody who gets like a stress fracture that runs a lot and now they're injured or, and you know how depressed you get when you're injured. We, we did a whole show on it. And now, now you're going to sit and watch all your local legend crowns be pulled away from you one at a time. Like, uh, like, a like your trophy case is, is just emptying out as you, as you just flounder in sick bay. Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a rough week for me. Uh, on Strava. Oh no. When I got the text from Clay, uh, he told me RIP. I was like, what? I fell right into his trap. And he was like, you might want to check Strava. So I, go, I just go on my email first. And first I see this, there it goes. I was like, oh, Clay took my segment. Then I see, oh, did they change the email? No, this is totally different. 
So I lost two things. <laughs> One check of the email. Uh, but Strava has something else. Well, Strava doesn't, but I have another Strava topic here right. that was sent to us with a question. Um, Kyle. 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 You know Kyle? I do know Kyle. Yeah. he's uh, He sent us an email and about Strava segments. Well, first he's like, I can't find your ghetto um, segment. And that I thought, so he, he cracked that case before even we did. Uh, he realized it had gone off the map, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, but he said that he judges uh, runs on the entire run. And he basically um, doesn't think it's right to sort of sandbag, to run like, you know, slowly. And then when you know you're on a segment, run real fast. He doesn't think that's right. He looks at like if you if you average eight minutes per mile, but then you grab a segment and you're going like six minutes per mile, he's like, Well, you you didn't really earn that. That was that was sort of his take. I'm paraphrasing. What do you right, think about that? Right. Well, I, I Kyle's a great guy, but I, I and this I'm gonna have to disagree. I, I segments are a tough thing, but in this case, in one's guilty of it. I call it hot lapping when you when you're running at a certain pace. Ooh, I like that. Pace. I like that hot lapping. I, that yeah. sounds so much better. Well, Sandbagging. Getting back, so getting back to the the crown that I have up in Michigan, it's it's about a two mile loop, and the day I did it, I ran the loop slow, like scouting out lines and that sort of thing, because it's kind of a treacherous course. <laughs> so the first time through was sort of a scouting trip. And then as soon as I got to the point where this the segment took off, then I did what I call a hot lap. I went after it hard, and then I cooled down, and I think I might have done three laps. And it, it was a long run, but but segments just lend themselves to a start and a finish at a very hard effort. And I, there is a movement of foot among some I've I've, run, I've heard about, but it's turning in turning segments into longer and longer efforts, so that you have a different variety of segments, but if you're, if, if the segment is a quarter mile, then you're going to inevitably get people who just go hard for that quarter mile. And what yeah. are you going to do? I mean, how do you remove yourself from that? If you're competing for a segment? Yeah, you know Steve, you keep, you keep bringing up your one crown. One of these well, times we'll do an episode I, of, I don't uh, have the a lot of crowns to make reference to, but we can, yeah, we can do that. One day we'll do an episode, just me walking through each and every single one of my crowns, all 30-some, how I felt that day, what was going through my mind, maybe what I had for dinner that night, you know, it'll be a really great episode. But uh, to your point, yes, there are all shapes and sizes. I have one that I think is like six and a half miles long um, out here, and, and then there's some as, as short as like a quarter mile or so, but uh but yeah, I, 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 I can't, I can't really get on on Kyle's side on this because if we start judging the whole run and not just the segments, then then what are we really doing? Like you, every time I look at somebody above me, I'm really going to judge their run because um, judge them because even though they ran that segment faster, I ran the entire run better. Like no, it's yeah. it's just it's who can run this stretch of trail or asphalt or cement the fastest and let's just 
leave it be that. Now, to that point, what do you think about this, Steve? Somebody that actually is in a run, stops their watch, gets a real, takes a real breath, gives themselves a good 60 seconds, uh, and then starts their watch back up before they hit that, that threshold to start a segment. Is that too much, or is that still all is fair? See, that's... It. It's such a gray area. I, I mean, I, it feels I dirtier. It feels dirtier, doesn't it? It's fair enough. Yeah, and and really to Kyle's point, I, I mean, is it? I would say it's fair to do anything along those lines because a segment really is a segment. It has a start and a finish, and what you do from the start to the finish is what you're judged on. Everything before and everything after shouldn't matter. Now, I, to Kyle's exactly. point, I mean. And he's bringing it up. It's it's a valid point. Is it ethical? Is it ethical to to do that? And I think that's where you start to get getting into the gray areas. And of course, I'm really overusing the term ethical as far as segments go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is there? A, can you hold your head high? I'm gonna say yeah. I, I think you can. But maybe if I go down a list and I see somebody ran a did a 10 mile run at a at a certain pace and, and they clicked off a mile segment within the 10 mile race or run at the same pace, then, then I would judge it differently. I would think more of it, but it's, there's still just a name on the list, the same as everybody else who stopped their watch and did the mile flat out. So, yeah, I guess, I guess uh, if you're going for style points, uh, you can get some bonuses if, if it's just a solid run overall. Uh, but but no, it, it it doesn't change anything. The point of the segment is who can who can complete it the fastest, and and you worded it perfectly. It doesn't matter what happens before or after. Uh, I've actually done that before, though. I've definitely stopped my watch so I could catch my breath before <laughs> taking the segment. Oh, yeah. And um, I tell you what, uh, when you do that and you still don't get the segment. It hurts. <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, that doesn't feel good. One time I did it, and uh, I thought I knew where the segment started, but I didn't. Turned out I was right in the middle of it. Uh, so when I got done, and this was a, a segment I've done many times, I saw that it was my third best effort. Uh -huh. I was like, I was like killing myself. I thought I would have crushed it. And yeah, it turns out that 60 seconds, I was just standing there. I was right in the middle of it. And I don't know if people know this about Strava segments or not, but uh, they just, uh, it must go by what like your watch time is because it doesn't matter if you stop your watch. It just must take a timestamp of when you cross the start line and timestamp of when you cross the finish. Indeed. It doesn't matter if you turn it on or off. Uh, it's going to tell you what that was. Because one time I had to stop and use, uh, we call them honey buckets out here, but it's just a porty john. Um, in the middle of a run, and it told me I was doing like 20 minute miles on this segment because I, <laughs> I had to visit uh, the Lou in the in between. So that's when I learned that about Strava. Uh, you were talking about Strava before, how you kind of one time I was on vacation, uh, and uh, we were actually in the Bahamas for a wedding, and I was on a run in the Bahamas, and there was this park that had this like probably it was a big oval but you could see that it was just this this big oval path uh not even quite an oval that's not quite the right term but like um 
a rounded corner rectangle more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? I bet this, if this what if there's a segment, this is where it would be. This is before I didn't have time to scout it out. I only had the one run. Uh, so I was like, I just ran around this thing. I was like, you know what? I bet if it was a segment, it's going to start in that corner and go around once. So I kind of sped up before I got to that corner. I had already done one, one lap, and then I just ran as fast as I could this single lap. And lo and behold, I, I was exactly right. There was a segment right where I thought it would begin. Really? Just, just the way it was shaped and its access mm-hmm. to the street, it just made the most sense. And, uh, and yeah, I got it. And I was, uh, I felt proud of myself for two, th- two reasons. One, cause I felt like this sort of Strava savant that I could, you know, kind of smell <laughs> one out and then, <laughs> and then grab it as well. So yeah, Strava savant. Uh, we had, it was an email. I think John, a uh, friend of mine out here in Utah, he had a comment on I think one of our episodes that how long should a Strava segment be? What's like the minimum length it should be? I don't know. What do you think? Hey, I mean, doesn't some of it depend on like what you're what's actually happening on the segment? Like if it's an if it's a up a hill, you know, you would you would think from the bottom of the hill to the top of the hill. And some of those can be pretty short. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, Strava gives some advice. I think they say anything less than a tenth of a mile. I don't even know if they'll allow it just because um, GPS is only so accurate. It only pings like what every one or three seconds or something. So um, that can that can very much be affected because Strava wants more than anything that these things to be accurate and. and so it's just that that gets compromised if you have it less than a tenth of a mile. So uh, I've made some, I made one. It's just this bridge, um, more of a boardwalk than a bridge. And I think that's like 0.17 miles. I think that's the shortest one I've ever made. And um, yeah, and, and even the thing is though, Strava always, describe something by rounding down to the nearest tenth so you look it up and it says oh this this segment's only a tenth of a mile but it's actually 0.17 yeah i I just think it's important to have like obvious start finishes it's so frustrating when you do a segment and you're like it's just what landmark or turn or street cross street it's just like there's nothing really telling you where the start is. I find that kind of annoying. So as long as you have a distinct start and finish and it's at least a tenth of a mile, I think that's that's all that you really need for it to be, in my, in my opinion, a, a quality Strava segment. I'm with you there. It, I, I, quality is a great way to put it. I, I do like the like, like how you put it distinct start and finish and usually something that's that's recognizable to all as opposed to like you mentioned the park in the bahamas as opposed to just some rando mailbox through a neighborhood to another rando mailbox that just sort of happens to become a segment for whatever reason you know i i I do think it's cool to have a a geographic 
start in a geographic finish that's recognizable to all. And and if you don't have something like obvious, like a cross street or right after a turn or, or like the bottom of a hill or the top of a hill, then I think you need to get, provide some kind of explanation. There's one out here and it's not long and it does go up this slight hill on this street. And at start, I only know this because... I really wanted to get this segment because I used to run it all the time and I became, I became like a CSI person in looking <laughs> this thing up. I had to go on Google maps and I cross-referenced that to where the Strava starts. Now Strava will give you satellite images, but not as sharp of images as Google maps. So I could zoom way in to really get a good idea of something of where this segment started. And they did have a landmark and it was like a power box, you know, like one of those just metal boxes on the side of the road that has a little fence around it and says, do not touch, you know? And (laughs) I feel like if you're going to do that, you got to include power box to wherever. Do not touch. Yeah. Yeah. some kind of indication I, don't, I shouldn't have to do all this legwork no exactly figure out exactly. where i'm going to pause my watch and catch my breath before i try and take the take this segment okay descriptive titles people i wish also if you uh if you do um take a segment you should get some kind of naming right i think that would be pretty cool oh wow that's fantastic that's a fascinating idea like i think strava suggests that you give very descriptive titles that kind of tell you where the start finish is just so, you know, for the reasons we've been talking about. And I haven't made many segments. Most of the segments I've made have just been races that I've done that have never happened before. So I want it to be a segment. Um, The ones ones that I have made uh, otherwise, uh, have you ever seen the movie gone in 60 seconds? I have not. No. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> classic uh well it's it's this movie where they steal cars and uh they have this whole list of cars they're going to steal they, this isn't random stealing it's like targeted cars and this group partly to disguise what they're doing uh to code it but also i think just for fun they name all the cars with uh women's names and uh the darling car is this 1960-something Shelby Mustang, and that one's named Eleanor. And anyway, I think I think it'd be kind of cool uh, if all the segments had, like, girls' names. So <laughs> all the ones I made, like the one I mentioned earlier, that Boardwalk, uh, I named it Boardwalk Betty. Uh, oh, okay. That's, I was going to say, if it, just simply naming a segment Eleanor is on par with naming a segment Water. Exactly. Exactly. So I, but all right, but what would be great? What would be nice great? One. Like you, you win a segment, you get the crown, you can change the girl's name, but like the description, like if, if Strava like had these two part names, like something that <laughs> describes the course, but then you add some kind of alliteration for a female name. I don't know. I just, I got all these ideas in my head when it comes to Strava. I can't uh, <laughs> make them all out at once. As Larry David once said on his show, Curb Your Enthusiasm, I'm not an inventor, but I'm an improver. 
That's right. Yeah. Uh, so other than hate mail, what other mail did we get? Uh, I think that's all the Strava stuff we really <laughs> got that. But uh, Gary, Gary Bryan, I assume you know Gary. I think that's a Toledo guy. Gary's a great guy. I think I've met. I think I've met Gary before. Uh, he sent us an email. Uh, and he, after giving uh, luscious praise uh, for the show, he said that he saw a young guy out on a run, and he said this guy was moving pretty good. He he estimates this guy was doing seven minute miles or faster. Uh huh. And but he was running in the bike lane. Yeah. Uh, and Gary took exception to this. Um, just like Kyle, I, I disagree with Gary as well. I think if you're if you're out running, uh, I think the bike lane is is open for runners, even if there's a sidewalk. Um, you know, uh, he mentioned that specifically. There was an open sidewalk there, and he said he acknowledged that a sidewalk might not have uh, an even surface as a um, as a bike lane would, but I assume Gary's a biker and he's, he's annoyed that, that runners are clogging up the lane, but, um, but I, I, I mean, he may, yeah. I mean, Gary's known, I know Gary is a runner. He, he may bike as well. Interesting. Um, I don't know. I never see it. Never, I, it never occurred to me till, till I read that, that that was even a, like from when I used to bike, I just always thought of that as just a non-traffic lane you know i mean it's called a bike lane yeah. but i i more or less thought of that as just sort of a um just just terminology in other words pedestrian or non-vehicular that sort of thing so uh when i when i gave up the bike looking at it now i still have it and i still do bike a little bit but um i don't know i just thought it was a no-brainer i just i just start using the uh, um that lane to run in um, I mean, like the same way, like the the paved path around where I where I live, it's it's just known as the bike trail. All Basically. right, to to counter that though, yeah, we're not talking about like a bike path that is there's no road. We're talking about the extra the, pavement on the street, exactly, like an extra wide uh, uh, lane on the side of a street. Um, yeah, yeah. So if somebody was walking in that, would that bother you? Mm, I, I no, I don't think it really would. Now, let me also say that I mean, as as etiquette goes, cyclists tend to should be riding with traffic, and pedestrians exactly. are against traffic. Yes, and then pedestrians can easily move out of the way, including runners can move out of the way of cyclists because I mean, you're you're you know you're oncoming, you can see them coming. So, I don't know. I never thought about it. I mean, Gary may have a very valid point, and I just have never have dived into the the reasoning yeah, we addressed before that i don't even know if this is true but i've seen this a couple different places i think gary might have referenced it as well that like technically pedestrians are always supposed to be on the sidewalk when a sidewalk is available uh so we may be actually breaking the law i use that in quotes um if we're running in a bike path when there is a sidewalk, but just from yeah. a, a safety standpoint as a runner, I, I would be in the bike path over the sidewalk a hundred times out of a hundred, just because uh, a, as Gary mentioned, the uneven surface of sidewalks, you know, 
a tripping hazard, et cetera. But then uh, B, just the visibility standpoint, when you're out in a bike path, you are in the road. Yes, you're closer to traffic, but you're much more seen. And uh, as bad as people are at driving, as distracted as they are, nobody's hitting a runner or bicyclist or pedestrian on purpose. So as long as you're seen, you're going to um, not be hit as long as the driver's paying attention. However, if you're on a sidewalk and you go across a cross street, just think how many times driving in your own life, you stop and you're six feet past, you know, where the actual cross uh, section is with the sidewalk. And I don't want to take that risk as a runner or somebody doing a, uh, a right-hand turn. Uh, they yeah. might not even look right to see you coming into it. Um, I've had to bang on some hoods before, just people <laughs> just just looking left and maybe Going, just yep. doing one of those California stops. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just remember, people, it's always better to be um, give up the right of way and stay alive than to than just to plow right through that. But but yeah, that's a big reason. Whereas um, if you're out in the bike lane, I think you're much more likely to be seen. Uh, by those. Well, as I once said to uh, in a brief confrontation with a with a driver, but I basically said, you know, you can afford to be wrong. It's a, that's the luxury you have. You can be wrong, and I'm paperwork. You know, if, if, if but I die. You know, I mean, I'm I'm hurt. I'm that the the consequences of, of sloppy driving. In terms of uh, yeah, not worth it. Cyclists or anything is we have to be far more careful than than drivers. So that is that's a reason I do like like you say visibility is is key, and, uh, and I think that's my thought. Our mutual running bud Todd G, who we've mentioned a few times, he he uh, he told us he told me this story one time, or he gave me this this tip, which is a hundred percent. Uh, true he said if you take both your hands and just make them flat and you slam both of those on a car you're not going to do any damage to the car but it sounds like you just hit somebody <laughs> like it is so so loud and i've had to do that that twice and i thought of them both times that like they will they will stop immediately when you do that and look and um I don't necessarily recommend that uh, to everyone because you never know how people are going to react. And I haven't done that since being married because now I wonder if uh, my little tungsten ring could actually dent something if I slammed it hard enough. But uh, just a little tip if uh, if you see the driver and you think you can uh, take them in a fight um, and you're not wearing <laughs> Or or vehicle, it's it's something you might be able to do. And I have been in a car that somebody did this to. I won't mention who was driving. Uh, It wasn't me, but they did something wrong. And I think it was actually a bicyclist did it. And it'll it'll stop you dead in your tracks. It is so loud. It sounds like you just hit somebody. It's so loud when somebody does that. So take that. uh, Do do with that what you will. But uh, Taji, he can be a little confrontational, so maybe he's not the best person 
to get tips from. Did he ever tell you that story? One time he was out on a run. Uh, now this isn't my story, and I've already. Wait, is, there, is there a jeep involved here? Because there's you ran a, you and Todd were running once, and you uh, you ran in front of a jeep, I believe. Is that true, Charlie? Uh, Todd G has called me out for running in front of vehicles uh, mm-hmm. before. I can't yeah. remember um, a, a confrontation with a vehicle ever happening with him. But no, I, I think there's a lot of Taji confrontation stories because this is totally different than the one I'm going with. What, what's yours, though? What, somebody ran with Taji in a Jeep. What happened? I think it was you. I think you, uh, you ran in front of a Jeep or something. And, and I, 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 I'm going to have to – I think we might have to bring him on for this. But, uh, but going back to when, uh, when my, uh, my Strava friend almost ran me over and we brought Sherry on to talk about that – Todd reminded me that you're not so innocent yourself when it comes to uh, vehicular confrontations. So. Interesting. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember ever having. I remember him being like, "Like, dude, what was that? Uh, that was like a close call." But I can't remember the maker model of the vehicle, <laughs> and I, I don't remember. I certainly don't remember a confrontation. I might have uh, purposely forgot though which makes me think it might have been a very embarrassing scenario, which all the more reason to have him on. Uh, But no, my story uh, is he was running. It was winter. There was a bunch of snow. And I don't know if these kids were having a snowball fight, but they they slung one in Todd G's direction. And uh, Todd G, as a grown man, went to this, what I can only presume is a child, and put his face into the snow. <laughs> we just get we gotta have a mod let's let's add quickly that until Taji either verifies or or disproves this as being a just a legend uh, we do not know this actually happened so. he allegedly assaulted a child in the snow <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i i do uh, two more quick things I wanted to okay. mention. Uh, I was running with uh, I was I was kind of tough on my buddy, my buddy Scott, uh, who helped me out with the race last time, and uh, he he reminded me he wasn't he wasn't mad about that, but he did remind me that I I left out something in the wildlife episode. One time he and I were on a run, and uh, it was early morning. It was kind of dark. We're going down basically this bike path next to a river. And at first I thought it was a dog. That's how big this thing, I thought it was like a St. Bernard. And then I get closer <laughs> and I realize it's far too round and squat for that. And we get closer and uh, it was a beaver. <laughs> um, and this thing, I swear to you, Steve, was the size of like an ottoman. That's the size really? of I've, I've never seen one I, I had to laugh so hard you what i pictured starting out with the saint bernard and then it becomes a beaver mm-hmm. i'm thinking moose or elk or i did not expect beaver that's that is fantastic yeah it was dark enough that we had to get within about 25 feet of it before we saw it and then it just kind of slunked right into the river it had this little pathway that it had worn in pretty good and both of us looked at each other and were like, what the hell? And we both said how glad the other person was there because no one would believe us just how big 
this beaver was. And I looked it up later. Beavers can get up to 70 pounds. So this was a big beaver. They do exist, and, and we saw one. Uh, terrifying. Sounds like it. So I think that concludes beaver talk on this episode <laughs> of Running Buds. Uh, and I think that, that wraps up the episode. I don't, I don't think we can get, get better than the big big beaver uh no i don't think so and and, and as far as i'm saw. concerned it seems like this episode's gone on for days charlie <laughs> <laughs> uh how do people get a hold of us oh there are so many ways uh if you want to email i'm gonna start out with the most boring but email would be budsrunning at gmail.com if you like the the twitter you can find us at buds running and lastly in facebook if you just do a search for the running buds podcast you're more than likely to find us and uh we uh we're there and we're checking most of that daily so get a hold of us yeah we love correspondence as evidenced by this episode Indeed. Uh, we'd like to end all these episodes with a song uh do you have one steve as a matter of fact i do charlie uh, I have a song since we were t- all this beaver talk just put into my head. Uh, uh, that great, great old Primus song, Winona's Big Brown Beaver. Winona's Big Brown Beaver off the, uh, I believe the self-titled album, their first oh, yeah. Primus. Yeah, it's like it's waiting there at your fingertips. Yeah, it's like it's right in front of me. I just <laughs> snatch it out of the ether. Uh, so Primus is going to end this one. Uh, all of these songs that we end the episode with are on our Spotify playlist. Just look up Running Buds episode music on Spotify. The link is in all the platforms as well, so you can just find the link there. But uh, we're going to wrap this one up. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe out there. We'll talk Bye. to you next time. Running Buds.